inflation, interest rates, hurricane season. Um, yeah, that's all sort of compounds. Plays into it, yeah. yeah. Um, today, I'm joined by Chris Kirkconnell, VP of Operations at Kirk Freeport, which is one of the premier um, jewelry and watch distributors on the island. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So um, last night I gave a quick Google uh, whilst I was doing a little bit of uh, additional research about you. The Kirkconnell name is actually means in Gaelic Church of Connell. Is that true? That's right. And, um, you know, the family has both Scottish and Irish background to it because it's, um, you know, that's where the original Kirkconnells migrated from to the Caribbean. And that, so how did the Kirkconnell family sort of end up on a tiny little island in the middle of nowhere and set up this, um, you know, uh, jewelry and what luxury goods enterprise? So it was, um, some, you know, some of the family members were merchant marine uh, members. And so they ended up in the Caribbean and came upon Cayman and, and settled here. Um, my kids are actually going to be this. They are the seventh generation of the family on island. So we've we've been around for quite a while. Yeah. Okay. The the original family business was very related as well. We our original family company was ship in shipbuilding and in shipping. Mm -hmm. So you know the actual the the quarter the Cayman quarter has one of our old family ships on it. Okay. The Kirk B, which was short for Kirk, for Kirk Brothers. Okay. Um. So, you know, we have a, a huge tie to the sea and that's where, you know, the ship's wheel that you will see on our companies, that's where the original logo came from, was from the shipping company. Okay, yeah, no, I love that. And so how, I mean, obviously the island has changed dramatically in seven generations. Um, when did the luxury um, watch and jewelry sector really sort of start to take off and, and why? Well, so my, you know, my grandfather, I mean, being in the shipping business, mm -hmm. they would kind of pick up jobs from port to port. It wasn't, there weren't the established lanes that you saw, that you see today. Mm -hmm. um, you know, now, you know, on a, on a Thursday, the ship leaves, it's here on the sun. You know, it's, there's a set pattern now. Uh, before they were going from place to place and picking up job and moving along with the jobs. Yeah. Um, and so, and by when they were done with three, six months, however long it was at, when they were at sea, they had a collection of goods that they brought back for sale in the island. So okay. not necessarily luxury goods to start, but you had kind of general stores that held and, and grocery stores that, that held a lot of the things that the, the island needed. Mm -hmm. um, the luxury goods was really in the, in the late sixties, early seventies, our first two watch brands were Omega and Tissot. And those two brands were sold out of the back of the grocery store. <laughs> and then it was the in, same location where Kirk's is now. Or? No, so no. The, the original Kirk supermarket is where the first Caribbean okay. bank building is yeah. now. That was yeah, where yeah. the supermarket was. So okay, interesting. That um, they purchased that property and, and turned it into the bank headquarters. Yeah. Okay. And then when did so that has just naturally evolved over time. And, yeah, and then so at that point, it was still kind of a mixed ownership of the business between my grandfather and his brother. Mm -hmm. And um, in 1972, he formed Kirk Freeport on his own, my grandfather. Okay. So that was, he. you know, he kind of saw, especially even with um, with people coming here and traveling to other places to, to shop because things were duty-free, mm -hmm. he saw that demand and he actually was a big part of, of working with government to establish the duty-free laws that were in place that helped bring that uh, that part of the, the industry to the island. Yeah. Okay. And so they implemented those laws at the time to really just facilitate to create make, make industry it because otherwise there were tourists that were coming here and they might fly over to Jamaica for the weekend to go shopping. Okay. And then come back. So just making it more attractive here. Um, 
and what i mean what what are you seeing in terms of the breakdown between um uh, individuals locally and tourists you know in terms of your sales so it's um you know it it has all it's always evolving okay. so if you went back probably 12 or 15 years you know cruise was a much bigger part of of what we were doing probably over half of of our volume was in cruise uh, but you know the last kind of five to eight years, it's we've we've always local has always the local business has always been very important to mm -hmm. us, and has all, only just gotten stronger as the island has developed. Yeah. So you know what we consider um, local, especially with a lot of people moving to these luxury properties on mm -hmm. island yeah. um, becomes even more and more a big part of what we do. Yeah. And that's what I was just talking with somebody else about. Now that um, individuals are relocating, it's not just, you know, a PO box, they're relocating their entire families and um, businesses here. Those individuals are then spending money, which has a huge impact to the local economy, which I'm sure yeah, you're seeing firsthand. We definitely do. And, you know, they're, they're, there are a lot of really nice places to live. Cayman mm -hmm. is one of those that you just feel safe no matter where you go. Yeah, and so that ties into because a lot of there are a lot of people that have made a huge amount of wealth in other areas, but they can't necessarily enjoy it mm. um, where they live. Yeah, so they move here. You know, you can have nice watches and jewelry, and you, it's never an issue. It's yeah. somewhere you feel safe to enjoy it, not just to not just to invest. Yeah, and that's it. You've you know, you've worked hard to, you know, um buy these luxury items. Um and it's so true. You hear horrifying stories in London and even friends in London they're like, yeah, I can't wear my watch out anymore. Um, which is a real shame. And I think for the high net worth moving here, um, it's just something that we take for granted. <laughs> I, I don't even think twice yeah. about what watch I'm putting on in the morning. And yet um if you're not from here, you um it's something that becomes really apparent very quickly no it, it, it definitely does and i think um it has benefits for for both the industry that, that you're in and for mm -hmm. us as well because you know the people that have relocated they really can enjoy yeah what they did the luxury that they that they have purchased yeah it's, and it's just um just one of the one of those beautiful things that the island brings and i think that is a common theme throughout everyone that I'm speaking to on this podcast is just how safe the island is. And I'm not here directly trying to sell the island, but it's just something that comes up that which we really do take for granted. But um, yeah, it's in a world that is in an ever increasing turmoil and safety is, you know, increasingly paramount. Um, yeah, Cayman is a fantastic place um, for that. Um, talk to me about um, what, what are the, the best sellers and the brands that you guys represent? So I mean, the, we we're fortunate enough to be to representing quite a few of the the major leaders in the industry. Rolex has always been kind of that top tier, mm -hmm. uh, especially in watches. Uh, a, a leading driver of brands that we carry, Patek Philippe, is also one of those that has very high exclusivity. Um, both maintain, if not grow, considerable value of the pieces that you purchased. Uh, Cartier on, with their watches and their jewelry, the entire offering that they have. Um, has been a, a large part of what, what we do as well, but you know, we carry quite a quite a few other huge you know major brands: Breitling, Tag Heuer, mm. Omega, um, David Yerman, Roberto Coin. It, it's we, we the portfolio is quite large. I so. have to say it's a, it is a nice lineup that you guys have. Um, yeah, it makes purchasing Christmas and birthday presents for my wife quite easy. <laughs> um, talk to me about um, why is it that 
if we just take Rolex or any of the other brands, but specifically Rolex, um, why is it that they are so hard to get hold of and there is such a, a demand for them? Well, Rolex, um, I think that there are multiple multiple uh, facets to this what has created the situation that we're seeing now yeah. where it's almost impossible especially to find the, the really in-demand models but the entire line is is quite short at the moment um part of it is just a huge global demand and you know i think that you know a lot of these companies aren't just trying to produce as much as they possibly can they are very specific in maintaining the quality and there's so much hand work and hand finishing and hand assembly that goes into these pieces that, that you know they're not just pumped out by machines um and you have to it takes a long, long number of years to create the skill that it takes to hold this type of quality so they can only expand at a certain pace and between the growth of social media and the use of social media especially especially in the luxury market you know you had very before you had very segmented demands as far as types of pieces so there are quite a few of the asian countries that were more more um, gearing towards uh precious metals so precious metals in watches had the, the highest value for them um, you didn't see a lot of demand on steel pieces you didn't see a lot of demand on larger sport models as as you know instagram facebook had started to become more and more used globally once they've once a lot of these different markets realized okay well the us's big demand is because is us is always going to be one of the largest um one of the largest countries as far as uh, as size when other when other areas realized the sport models and steel models are what in the most demand in those countries they they kind of followed the same yeah, kind of okay. trends and it doesn't take a lot for one of those markets to start growing for a particular type of demand that it's going to affect everybody. Yeah. And I think what you're, what you're seeing is that there has been a tremendous success almost in the global economy where demand, you know, normally you may see certain markets up, certain markets down. They're seeing such a widespread growth that it's hard to, you, you know, there's not, not in, there's no compensation or balancing from one market to the other. Mm -hmm. It's been quite strong demand for the last several years. Yeah. Okay. And I guess compounded by the, Global supply chain um, sort of issues, and and you know we're seeing because we have we have other businesses in the in the the holdings that are you know a supermarket being one of them. Mm. We're seeing that it's every industry that has been affected, especially right. because of COVID. Um, so with the luxury side, you know it takes a long time to produce these pieces and to go through all of the quality um, certifications and, and processes. That when you have either a shutdown of it might have been three or four months for some of these factories, and then when they were getting back online, they had to reconfigure everything to keep greater spacing. So now you're you're working at an even lower capacity than you were before. You just can't, it's been a hard hard for them to keep up because we did see some of this um, you know shortage of supply or increase in demand leading into COVID. It just made it that much harder for them to keep. Yeah, no, I can imagine, and I guess when. Um, the supply demand shifts so much and the the items become that much more valuable, it increases their desirability and then just compounds the whole uh, well, we, system. We, we already saw the pressure before COVID. So, right. you know, there's, but it was more, it was a lesser number of, of pieces. It was, you know, maybe the top 10 were very hard to find or we were have, had, you know, waiting, waiting lists as opposed to just being able to walk in and purchase. Um, it ended up being almost the entire line. So, yeah, okay. you know, a lot you're, and it's a global, it's, it's anywhere that you travel now, you're finding it hard to find something, most of these pieces. Yeah. And is that because, 
you know, if you can't get your hands on the top 10, you'll buy something else. And then that's outstripped. And so there's nothing left well, on the show. No, exactly. And it actually, you know, it does spread into some of the other brands as well. Yeah, so sure. if you can't find the specific piece in, in a Rolex, like some people have said, well, I, I still want something and I don't necessarily want to wait. I will mm. get that if it becomes available, but I, they will also purchase other things yeah, uh, okay. along the way. But it has increased the demand on the entire range. Um, so, you know, you are seeing just a, an overall increase in demand. And I, I guess that demonstrates that there is clearly liquidity in the markets and, you know, definitely here. Um, do you see that changing as interest rates as, as ris have risen and there's more um, inflation is sky high at the moment? I mean, we're we're not seeing it fully balance out yet. We, you, know, you may see a little bit of relief in the pressure for, for the volume of requests that we're mm -hmm. seeing, but we still don't have enough pieces to get out even okay. to the local market, much less, um, you know, selling to, to the tourist market. Um, so, you know, I think that, you know, over the last couple of years, the secondary market for some of these pieces became so lucrative mm. that you didn't just have collectors and people that were genuinely interested for consumption of, mm. of the watches. They saw that the demand was you know, doubling, tripling, quadrupling the aftermarket of some of these watches. So people that were never interested in the watches before now thought, okay, this is somewhere that I can, you know, if I can get my hands on some of these pieces, it, it could be very lucrative. Yeah, okay. it, it makes a lot more work for us because we're very diligent in making sure that we're selling to genuine customers. Yeah. People want to wear the watches because even though there is, especially with these main, uh, main brands, either keeping value or increasing in value. And it, it has always been that way, whether, whether we were in this situation or not, um, you know, we we're, we've always tried to be very diligent in making sure that people enjoy enjoy these because buying them for an investment is you know, is is a part of it. But we also we want to make sure that people are enjoying the pieces and, and really yeah th that it's they're going to places that that they will have a home that the, the value will be appreciated. Yeah, and I mean, how do you how do you ensure that? I mean, it's tricky. I, hey? You can't be a hundred percent, but we're just you know it, it means a lot more involvement from you know we're it's a family business, and myself and my brother are very involved on a daily basis. So we're in, we are almost all in, involved with you know most a lot of the major uh, purchases that come through. So we have a pretty good idea. Um, that we're doing everything that we can to try to make sure that they're genuine customers. Yeah. Okay. Um, nice. Now I know. And we also, you know, working with you guys also, you normally, if you're bringing someone to us and saying, you know, I have a client that is investing in such and such property and it, it helps pre-qualify people that we may not have met as customers before. Yeah, true. And I'll um, have, you know, if somebody's coming down here and buying a property, um, naturally they, you know, if they're looking to buy something for themselves or for their wife at Christmas, whatever else it is, um, I'll send them, yeah, directly to you guys. And yeah, it, I mean, how how does somebody, if they've got their eye on a watch, how do they, what would your advice to be um, to them, if, you know, in order to secure that? I mean, it's, you know, get to know, you know, get to know the, the company you're working with, mm -hmm. because if, if, you know, if you just walk in, as for the first time and you're asking for the hardest to get to get peace, it's, you're not always, you know, there's so many people that are doing that, yeah. that you want to, you want to get to, to, you build a relationship with, mm. with, um, between the client and, and the, the retailers. And that really, if we know the client and we know that we're, we're 
that we're gen gen sell telling, selling to someone. So I'm going to do that again. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, if we if we have someone that comes in that we've built a relationship with, it's not always. You know, we will have people that will ask, okay, what do I need to buy to get my hands on X yes. and Y? Yeah. And we've never treated it that way. We're never. There's not like we're trying to to push that kind of purchasing. We just want to make sure that we know that it's a genuine client. So mm -hmm. if we have um, you know someone like yourself that has someone that you've been working with for a while, it helps us to un to have the comfort to to work with some of those those clients yeah no that's great and i think um yeah people you know it's a very small island there's not a, a huge amount to do here um and so i i think yeah when it comes to kind of shopping um yeah it's a great spot to um to be able to do that subject to obviously availability yeah, yeah. um talk to me about the well i say recent um uh renovation of the cartier store um, and the issues you had with that and the um, pedestrianization of Seafarer's Way and whether that may have impacted business. So with uh, with the Cartier boutique specifically... Which looks um, fantastic, oh, by the way. <laughs> we just, it came out better than we could have yeah. expected. Um, that store, the main challenge with that store is that we came to, to the completion of the project at the end of 2019. Mm -hmm. So we'd only been open for a couple of months, fully stocked <laughs> with brand new merchandise. <laughs> when everything came to a, yeah, to a halt. So in, it is, again, because we are have always been quite dependent, but also quite supportive of the local market and, and held it as, you know, we never just looked at ourselves as a tourist destination. Mm -hmm. During COVID, we, we had, you know, a lot of clients that were moving to the island or that may have been seasonal, now spending longer periods of time on the island because we were COVID free for quite a while mm -hmm. in our, in the Cayman bubble. Um, people could be here, enjoy the restaurants, enjoy shopping, and you know, really just get out and um, and and have a normal have normal life while the rest of the world was was kind of shut down. Yeah, really shut down. And so we saw that you know, other than the first maybe two months where everything was quite locked down, once we were able to get back open, it everything started, and the doors were open especially because we were not a we're not an industry that can work so well on curbside pickup. No, yeah, yeah. Or, people or, want to go in touch and they want to see. You know, yeah. it's it's their important purchases, and it's not. There's not a lot that is kind of spur of the moment. Although there there is some of that spending. Like it, you're talking about values that people really have thought about the purchase leading into, or there's a special occasion. Um, they really can take their time thinking about these purchases. So, um, you know, but again, we, once once we saw that we were able to open the doors again and have the natural flow of traffic. Our local business actually grew, and okay. it didn't just return; it grew beyond what what our what our previous expectations were. Yeah, that's fantastic to hear. And but for certainly retailers and hospitality, it was a tough few years. But I guess the the demand was always there. So once the doors do open, um, you know, people are, are back in, and it's just, we certainly saw the same with real estate. The demand didn't go away; it was just pent up. Um, and then as soon as we're able to start showing houses again, um, the floodgates open for sure. Yeah, no, we, and that's, you know, we are lucky as an island that we're not just dependent on tourism. You know, yeah. the financial industry here, we all, I mean, it's not any big secret. Like we, we know how important that is to the island. Mm -hmm. But because that continued and even they, they were having record years, even while tourism wasn't um, really a, a factor. Yeah. It just meant that so much was able to continue on the island that you wouldn't that you weren't seeing in other areas. So many other islands had to open back up because they had no other choice. Yeah, and open up prematurely, and then the COVID, you know, um, pandemic exacerbates, and then they have to shut down again. Or yeah, um, I think we the government here handled that incredibly well. It's not an easy thing to undertake, but um, I think we're very fortunate with um, the way that it um, yeah came out in the end. Um, 
Quick question: What is your favorite watch? Oh, that's hard. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah, we, the million-dollar question. We see so many amazing pieces, and there, yeah. you know, I mean, I uh, there are quite a few Rolexes that have always been favorites, and mm -hmm. I, it is what I tend to wear on most of a, on a daily basis more than anything. Um, but I mean, there's so many lines that we carry that I that I really do enjoy. So it's hard to say like a you know specific um, single pieces, but yeah. you know, Rolex, and then seeing the, the how special Patek Philippe. Uh, timepieces are and the amount of work and care and tradition that is that is involved in those it, it's really hard to not have a couple of their pieces yeah. uh, in your top 10 for yeah, sure it's and and that's it i just don't think obviously there's this supply and demand issue which drives um price up particularly on the secondary market but then um, just the time that goes into making these pieces is yeah mind-blowing yeah and you know we're we've been lucky enough to visit some of these manufacturers which are not open to the public um, and so we get to see a little bit of behind the scenes and appreciate um, what really goes into because you can be told but until you see the level of detail and the amount of work that goes into the most minute yeah. art of every and not even just the mechanical side of it you know whether it's the case or bracelet like everything is just they're meticulous with their design with the function with the quality the materials it's it really is um, something that is special to to get to see yeah and i have to say before i you know purchased my first rolex i thought what a waste of money how could you spend eight thousand dollars or whatever on um you know a watch um but actually owning one you really do appreciate the quality that goes into it um, and also i think from a, a business aspect i used to see guys you know as a younger agent um you know wearing really nice watches and you I think you perceive that somebody that wears a Rolex um, and it's super fickle um, and it shouldn't be this way is doing something better than you or is more successful than you. But actually, when I first put a Rolex on my arm, I thought, so these people are actually no better than me. We're all the same. Um, and it's certainly helped. It's really superficial, but it certainly helped level up my confidence um, in that regard. You know, I think it's um, and when you get to appreciate how it's made and, and what you're really wearing mm -hmm. and it's not just that you're looking for a, for a brand logo, then yeah. it, it makes a big difference too um i think some of it is you know there's i've heard it spoken through a, a couple of our large clients you know they will walk into a boardroom and you can't walk in with your house and you can't walk in with your ferrari or, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but you can walk in with your watch and people are looking at it and especially in very highly competitive um, industries so whether that's banking finance or, or any of any of the financial industry um you know when you're walking in it, it, people are looking to kind of yeah. size up a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, People's posturing and, and yeah. you know, we're we've been yeah, we've been fortunate to be able to to get some very special pieces for some of our collectors. And when they walk into that boardroom, guys yeah. that are in the top of their game in New York are just their jaws drop. Like, yes. how did you possibly yeah, yeah, find yeah. that piece? You I, know, the, like, uh, the same to some extent with um, you know, friends in London um, that the you know waiting for whatever watches. Um, so yeah, that is. Yeah, really interesting. What exciting projects are you guys working on now? But we actually have um, quite a few major projects that are either in the planning um, or you know things that we're we're looking to get moving pretty soon. Um, we took on a spot in uh, right next to the Strand where we have one of our older stores. Okay. Yeah. Uh, right on the front road in a building that's called the Greenery. Okay. So it's um, you know just down the road from from the Ritz and right across from quite a few of the the larger condo um, areas. We're we're trying to elevate our ga our game in the beach area. Okay. So we have a 
what should be two very special concepts that will be going into those two spaces, pushing as hard as we can to be open by the end of the year. So it's some of it will be a little out of our control depending on the supply of, mm-hmm. um, of some of the different materials, but we're we look like we should be on track to get those open. So ready for high season. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And then you know, in town between the Cardinal Avenue pedestrianization, we're working with quite a few, um, quite a couple different groups to work on re rethinking some of the spaces that were open before COVID that have not fully reopened at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that the, what we're seeing in the traffic on that new pedestrianized street, is, even without a lot of the doors being open, is phenomenal. And we think the potential- Foot traffic. Foot traffic. Yeah, so okay. the potential for, and different business units than what we had operated before. You know, We're looking for partners that are gonna be in Food and Bev and some other, we wanna bring some life to the streets. So yeah, there's okay. quite, quite a lot of interest. And I think the potential, they've done a phenomenal job with the street itself. There's yeah, still okay. some pieces that are that are you know coming in process and some things that, that we need to take on as far as creating some shade and um, bringing the buildings up to, you know, uh, an even better look and feel. Yes. Aesthetically sort of upgraded a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think, you know, we're on a great track with some of those. And those, so that would be one of the uh, one of the very exciting projects that we should see in the near future as well. Yeah, well, that is super exciting to hear as somebody who owns and, you know, operates um in that location um to hear that that time and money spent by the government is you know paying dividends oh it's it, like i said it's it's been phenomenal to see what that has yeah. done for the area just on its own and it's it's as things get really get rolling it'll you'll see it very quickly yeah okay well that's great to hear for georgetown um i mean if anyone wants to um i guess yeah buy or is interested about specific watches or jewelry pieces where where can they find you so I mean, our our number our main location is in Bayshore Mall, right in town, and that's where we have um, pretty much all of the major brands. Yeah. Um, you know, we have a fantastic team. So you know, finding someone that you enjoy working with, um, as far as a salesperson, is always a, a you know a, a very like like as within your industry. You yeah, to, for sure. You want to be comfortable and enjoy the person you're working with. Yeah. Um, and it, it's the same for our stores as well. And we're we are. The island has helped us to attract some some really good talent. So, um, yeah, and that's what we recommend when it comes to either buying or selling a house. Pick somebody that um, is experienced and knowledgeable on the product that you're looking to buy or sell. Um, but then also somebody that you get on with, and don't look at it as a single purchase. Look at this as the start of a relationship that you're going to you know maintain throughout the rest of your life, and maybe your kids. Um, it couldn't um, be any closer to the truth. I mean, it's with us, especially, and you know, at, especially in times where there's a lack of supply, mm. it helps us if the salesperson knows you and knows the most, knows as much as possible about you. They can call, and they and it's they're building the case for clients, yeah, okay. uh, for for these harder to get pieces. So yes, yeah, if yeah. you're able to have a great relationship with the salesperson and that they're able to pass that along to us, it's yeah. not just handing a sheet that there's a request for model X, yeah, Y, and Z yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, by right. John Smith. And, yeah. it, you know, we're getting, we're seeing those every day. It's, you know, you, you want to make sure that, um, that you're working with someone that you, that you enjoy working with. Yeah, no, I love that. A lot of parallels between the, the two businesses. Um, Chris, thank you very much for coming in. I appreciate having you on the podcast. Um, and yeah, best of luck with the, the future projects. No, it's been a joy. Thanks for having me. Alrighty. Thanks a lot.